Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. It's lovely this morning to be here. And on this Advent time, I think the theme will be this morning, the gift of God. It's, the theme this morning is generosity, giving, using our gifts in whatever way we can for the glory of God. We have a wonderful opportunity to do that. And um, we'll be going to explore that just a little bit more as we move down this morning. But what I would like to do first of all is to read some verses to you, not from the Gospels, but we're going to go into 2 Corinthians. That's the second letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian Christians who had not long become Christians. And he says to them, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Where else could you get that? People who are experiencing severe trials, going through ordeals, but yet with abundant joy, coupled with extreme poverty. You may think these are all you know, things that don't happen. How can people in extreme poverty be full of joy? Um, but this is the Christian church he's writing, of Macedonian church. And he said, For I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means, which is sensible, and yet there are times when God calls us to give beyond our means. That's more the exception than the rule. And these were the exception, even beyond their means, begging us, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this not merely as we expected. They first gave themselves to the Lord. We used to have an old chap in our church, and uh, he used to say uh, that the, the, the Lord loveth the cheerful giver. That's what Scripture says. And he used to say, it's the kind of person who says, when the, an offering is announced, hallelujah, hallelujah for the bag. It's an opportunity to give. And that's really what we're about this morning. It's about the whole idea of giving, and particularly as we think of God's gift to us. Because I'm going to go on to that now. Because he says to them, now as you, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in the utmost eagerness, and in our love for you. So we want you to excel <clears throat> also in this generous undertaking. Because what they planned was to take money from Greece and that area uh, and take it down to Jerusalem where the Christians were really impoverished. They were suffering financially and in many other ways. And Paul just was so anxious that they were blessed that he collected money and the Macedonians, the Greek church, gave substantially and generously. And that money was eventually taken down to Jerusalem. 
However, he's encouraging the Corinthians to follow the example of the Macedonians and they themselves to really get in on this and experience the joy of giving and the blessing that flows from giving. So Jesus who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. God is a great, wonderful giver. In fact, we read that, don't we, in his word. God is a giving God. He gave us life. He gave his son so that we might get and have eternal life. He gives us all things richly to enjoy. The gifts of God come to us, and the one gift that is supreme is the one that we learn of in John 3 and 16. We all know that. For God so loved the world. Can you imagine that? So loved the world, loved you and me, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I know in many ways we say, well, we've heard that so many times, John. It struck me very forcibly on November the 5th, I was taking a service in the bio cemetery in Normandy. Uh, there's, a, there's about 3,000 graves there from men that fell on the D-Day landings. And uh, we took the service there, and, and I observed with the men that they were extremely um, moved by the whole occasion. They'd been there after all. Um, there, there was, sorry, there was after all over 70 of us there. About half were Christians, the rest weren't. But in that cemetery, there was such a, a real solemnity and a, a seriousness that came down. We'd been learning that morning, for instance, before we went up to the cemetery for the 11 o'clock service. We'd been learning, we'd been down to a point near the, um, the uh, cliffs there, overlooking. Um, Aramanche Beach and um, the Americans had had to send rangers up, 160 of them and they went up almost a perpendicular cliff it was incredible, we looked over um, and they used incidentally, London Fire Brigade ladders and it was just, it's going up there you know, that 100 feet and more 150 feet and then carrying guns with them one thing or another and these men were sent in before the actual Allied invasion. And their purpose was to take out these massive guns, these gun emplacements on the top of the cliffs. We looked at them. They, they were capable. The guns were big in those days. They were, the shells, I think I was right, I'm right in saying, were a ton in weight. Does that sound a bit crazy? It was an enormous amount of weight. Anyway, I think it was that. They could fire them 25 miles. Gives you some ideas to these guns. And they needed to take them out because they could have just landed them directly onto the beach where the people were coming and it would have been just a wipeout as it was further down at Omaha. These men went up. And we'd been told that morning that the casualty rate was 96%. Out of the 160 men that climbed those cliffs, there were only eight standing when the guns were silenced. And you think of the cost, and men were moved by that. And I observed that, and we had a proper service. Fortunately, I'd taken, the, 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 the French didn't do the service uh, that day. On the 5th, they did theirs on the 11th. So 
we had to do our own service, and I was asked if I would do that service. And I had with me a British Legion service, which I had had in my pocket for ages that I'd obtained down at Saltwell Park when we did the service there. And, and I kept it, so I was able to use it. But afterwards, as I said, you know, we've honored men's bravery. We've been moved by their sacrifice. And at the end, I just said, but I want to add something. And I quoted the verse about him. But when I think that God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. And I left it with the men there. And do you know something? It seemed as if heaven came down. The Holy Spirit just moved in that circle of men. We, we don't know what the result of all that is, although we did hear a week later someone, a man of 47, had given his heart and life to Christ. And that's the whole purpose of it, that we went down there with a view to bring men and women the gospel, to share with them something of the love of God, God's givingness. But I just thought then, and sometimes we can overlook it, we talk about and we are rightly respectful and reverent at the thought of men giving their lives for us. But they were giving their lives for us, and we thank God for it, but how much more should we be honoring and respecting the fact that God gave his son to be the savior of the world? Consequently, because of all God's giving and his generosity, giving figures very highly in the life of his church. We have the example, as we've said, of these Macedonian Christians, these Greek Christians, who out of their extreme poverty had overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Now, I know you cannot give what you haven't got. Respect that. And I sometimes think that sometimes we need to think very seriously about how we give. Um, I was hearing just this morning from... Um, Hazel, she said her husband had been reading out in the paper that some person had been stacking up these gifts and apparently has, I think I'm right in saying, Hazel, did you say a hundred gifts for each child? Incredible, isn't it? Probably paying for the rest of the year uh, and more. It, you know, there, there is something about giving that can be excessive and out of place. When I was a young lad, I don't know why, but Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, always interested me. I loved the Proverbs. I learned many, many of them by heart. And there was always one proverb that I used to think about, and it said this, a man's gift makes room for him. And I, I, I honestly thought the interpretation of that was, well, a man has got gift, he'll get on in life. I just mean that at all. We know there's many gifted people that don't get on in life. No, what it, what it means, and I'm glad now, the more modern translations say a bribe. A man's bribe, oh, makes room for him. You know, there is a giving like that with an ulterior motive. Giving to please someone, to impress someone. Giving as a bribe to get some advantage. 
We've all been hearing about this recently. It's been highlighted in the Olympics, um, uh, getting the, the, the Olympics into their place, and in FIFA as well. There's bribery, and it's always part of corruption, really. That's not the kind of giving we would suggest at this moment in time. It's amazing what the Proverbs say, and I think in the chapter before, it speaks about a bribe or a gift, as it is in the AV. It's like a magic stone. You, know, you, can, you can open doors, you can do all sorts of things with money. Money is very influential, it's very powerful. And, uh, and that's why God has a great respect for the poor. And, you know, whilst we might honor the rich, God says, you honor the poor. Look after the poor. They're there in my heart. They're the people I'm concerned about. And therefore, as Christians, we have a, 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 um, an obligation in that respect. But they first gave themselves to the Lord. How far removed is such giving from any giving with an ulterior motive? Yesterday we were um, attending um, a little ceremony down at St. Chad's Church. It was there for the friends of Salt Oak Park. And they had at great expense the silver wind van from the sage. But actually, they were very, very nice. We thoroughly enjoyed it. We had a lovely morning. And one of the things they were saying was that they'd been in Eldon Square this week. And they just had a very short period. You only get about, I don't know, an hour or so. But in that hour, they had collected 700 pounds. Amazing. The generosity of people. It's quite wonderful. Very kind. Uh, he said, um, there was one carol that seems to get the money going in fast and furious. And he was telling us it's oh, um, Holy Night. And he said, we, we play that, and I don't know, we're all romantics, aren't we? And they must have got quite moved and generous, and money was flowing into the boxes. So they decided to play it again at the end. Why not? But uh, they were raising money for a charity, and it sounded very exciting, but they played for us a lovely um, carol. Um, I meant to bring the words with me, and I've left the book behind. Um, in the bleak midwinter, it's that lovely poem by Christina Rossetti, and it was set to Gustav Holst's tune, and it was absolutely moving. And it talks about the, the ground being as hard as stone, and there was coldness, and there was snow upon snow, and it sets the scene, and it, it speaks about that little baby, God coming, the one who was the creator and seraphim and angels bowed down and how this young maiden takes her beloved and greets him with a kiss. I forget the exact words of it now, but it's a beautiful, beautiful carol and it speaks to us of God's kindness and God's generosity. Now, somewhere up here, there is something for me to observe. Oh, it's there. Oh, I see I'm to look at that. Oh, right, okay. I can see it now. I'm, I've been looking for it for quite a while for this, because they said you're going to get a yellow label that'll come up and say, that's it. You've had your bit. On you, on you go. If you haven't struck wind at all by now, well, you never will. But they, 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 um, it was a lovely occasion to be reminded of that. You know, Emmanuel means... God with us. It means he who is rich. 
became poor. Let's read the verse, shall we? For we know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that by his poverty you might be made rich. And if you're a Christian this morning, I want to tell you, you're rich by any standard. God has touched your life and blessed you. He's given you everything, all things richly to enjoy. And the best is yet to be. But I want us to pause for a moment and think of the cost, of the wonder of it, that God should become flesh. We were thinking about that earlier meeting this morning and talking about gifts. When we got into that early morning service, if this is an encouragement for you to come, on every seat there's a gift. Kind of, kindness of Anne. I think it's Anne who gives this every week. She brings us sweets, and we get a sweet on our seats. So if you come at the 10 o'clock service, you'll get a sweet. Now, we don't come just for sweets. You can imagine that. But this is one of the things that God does. When we do things for him, when we follow in his ways, somehow or other, he seems just to bless us. Mostly undeservedly. But we feel blessed. I was walking out just, I think it was on Thursday, and uh, I was just thinking about, as I was walking, I was, I was waiting actually to see red kites, and I had an hour, to, well, half an hour to fill in on a viaduct up on the Derwent Valley. And it was quite chilly, so I was just walking up and down. I was just thinking, and I had a couple of conversations with people. Um, as I was waiting for the dusk to come, for the birds to come in and roost, and I saw seven. I said to Ruth, I hope it wasn't the same one floating around, but I... <laughs> I think I saw seven, but I'm told last Sunday someone counted 59. There are about 95, actually, in the whole area, but they counted 59. I saw seven. But I was just standing there, and I was just thinking, you know, I, I feel so blessed, really. I was warm. I had nice clothes on. I was home. I was, I was going down eventually to find where my car was parked and travel home. I had food. I felt loved. I've got friends. So much God seems to have given, for which I'm very thankful. And then I just said to, to the Lord, I said, but you know, if I didn't have any of those things, I should still love you. I should still worship you. When I think that God, His Son not sparing, I, I just... And God, I mean... The, the incomprehensible one. And yet I believe in God. With all my heart, I believe in Him. I believe in Jesus Christ, His Son. And I was just standing there and saying, Lord, thank you, thank you. And just welling up in praise for His goodness. This Christmas, friends, isn't that the way you feel? You want to worship him. We've talked about giving this morning. We've heard about giving. We've heard about those who are giving in the Globe, Cafe, Paul and Gloria in particular. We've been, there's all manner of giving. Giving over at the coffee. Giving in service because it's not just money. In fact, money sometimes isn't what's needed. It's time. It's energy. It's care. It's love. It's understanding. It's listening. 
I was hearing on the radio this morning that some guy who was obviously off the rails, a young man, and he said, someone had said, that man needs a jolly good listening to. Isn't that interesting? You know, we, when I was younger, it would be a jolly good hiding, but a jolly good... You know, that is a giving act. To listen to someone, to understand their story. That's half the time we don't listen. We reply before we've really taken in where they've come from. Well, someone said if we knew everything about everybody, we'd have no enemies. We'd understand them. And that's part of our Christian ministry. To give our time, to be kind to one another, to build up, to strengthen, to encourage, to help, to cheer up, to do all that we can to make life bearable and easier. That's part of our ministry. That's how we respond to God's love to us. And yet it's not a compulsory thing. It's not a pressure thing. It's, it's the Holy Spirit's prompting. God says, I want to give you my spirit when you've been forgiven. And when the Holy Spirit begins to fill you, these things become almost natural. And they're not giving in a sense of lavishness or, or ostentatiously, in a way that wants to impress ourselves. It's giving really without any thought of reward. That's not easy. But it's giving because someone needs something. Not because it will help me or be to my advantage. Indeed, some of the giving will be sacrificial. It's not after our own agenda. It's genuinely seeking the blessing of others. That's exactly what God did. He gave up everything. He surrendered sapphire paved floors for stable, for a stable. He surrendered that. All because he loves you and me and men and women in general and longs that they might be saved. That was the whole heart of Christmas. Jesus came to save and to find those who were lost. So we find with our giving. I was really had put in my notes this morning that, but we've already done it. We've had it. We've given a clap to people. But I really was going to clap everybody who does something in the church. And you may never have been mentioned before. But though everything that you've done, even just coming this morning, has been an encouragement to someone. But if you can do more than just come and sit on the seat, if you can get involved, and if God speaks to you and encourages you to do something, do it. Do it. Don't be embarrassed. You're doing it for the sake of for others and for his name alone. And so we have this wonderful thought of God coming down. You know, I'm looking at that clock. You know, the, the Greeks had great ideas and they had great mythology. And they had ideas of men and women advancing themselves to a point where they could almost be deified. They became gods. But they have nowhere in their mythology which ever suggested that someone who is God comes down in humiliation to a stable, to be a child, to reverse the order, to go up. The way to up is up. But in God's category, the way to up was down. He came down. He divested himself 
of all the insignias of glory, his royalty, his power, his impression, his imperiousness. He laid aside his glory and took upon himself the form of a servant. And he allowed himself to be crucified. What does the scripture say? Wherefore God has highly exalted him. And the more we put ourselves down, the more you give an opportunity for God to lift us up. Or not in the way we think. You get the best job or you get a... No, 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 no. It's character, God's about. This is our work. This is our training area. This is not where we're going to end up. God has got something wonderfully prepared for us beyond this. In many ways, it's what we are, what God is doing in us now that is preparing us for something that's out of this world. And I tell you something now, if we really appreciated what God has in store for us, we would give him more. We wouldn't give him less. We'd give more. Because we are the fools sometimes who think it's all about what's ephemeral and the immediate. It's about the eternal. And that is the heart of the Christian message. God has come that he might save us and give us eternal life. Well, how are we going to respond to such love? <clears throat> well, that <clears throat> lovely poem by Christian, Christina Rossetti says, you know, if I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would play my part. What can I bring him? Poor as I am, I can bring my heart. 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 That's all God wants this morning. He doesn't want our cleverness. He just wants our heart. He wants us to be filled with compassion and love for all men, whatever their condition, especially the poor. And this Christmas, I just pray that that will mark us. That will mark us. It's, it, it's, it's wonderful just to be able to serve him and the privilege of being like him. And that might mean sometimes that we, you know, we, we, we have to experience the stable. I know perhaps we all prefer the palace, but he wasn't born in Buckingham Palace. He's born in a stable. Wonderful Savior. And he calls us, brothers and sisters, he calls us to love one another this Christmas, like we've never loved one another before, to give ourselves to one another, like we've never given ourselves before, so that we might bring glory to Jesus Christ. And as we do that, God will see to it that to this church, those will be added who are seeking him. The choir, the, choir, the band, are going to come up now. And it says there, the yellow has just started, and I'm coming down. I'm finished. I've done my little bit. It's been lovely to talk to you. I wish you a blessed Christmas. Amen. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.